0: Uh, what's going on, everybody? My name is Arjun Gupta. I play Penny on Sci Fis and the Magicians. And welcome to the Coffee Clatch Podcast. Get ready for a wild ride.
1: The Coffee Clatch Podcast. Welcome to the Coffee Clatch Crew, the Magicians episode review. I'm Jason Pistorino.
0: I'm Christina Lomangino.
1: And today we are reviewing episode seven. Poached eggs.
0: Written by L. Lipson, directed by Joshua Butler, IMDb gave this an 8.1. The synopsis is Margot makes a bold stand against the Fairy Queen. Quentin and Penny try to retrieve a lost item.
1: Now, is the lost item the key or Katie?
0: Ooh, good question. I think the key. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but that was good. So, this is the lowest IMDb has gone for an episode for this season. They were at an 8.3 for episode three, The Losses of Magic.
1: But I don't think that says much because this episode, although isn't a standout episode for season three, it's a very valuable episode. Although I do have some gripes about it, I believe they needed to start moving along a lot of the storylines. The Fairy Queen, Julia and her power concerns, Katie being stuck in a mental institution, Poppy getting to meet the new characters. There's a lot that had to happen and they had to figure out how to do it in an interesting way.
0: I have similar feelings. I said this was good mid-season arc building. I have both positives and negatives. I thought it presented exciting possibilities with Julia maybe starting to accept her magic and Alice maybe letting hers go moving forward. I am eager to see a pygmy dragon and some more traveling, as well as the suspense that we ended on in Fillory.
1: I believe I've seen the pygmy dragon.
0: Where and when?
1: I think on Instagram. (gasps) No. Either that or someone was making a joke. I was kind of skimming and I just saw the picture quick. So I don't know the details. It might have been just another small dragon that someone had in their hands. Because there was no specific character holding it. It was from the shoulders down. But it looked very cute, whatever that was.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
1: It was like the size of a cat. So I wonder.
0: Well, regarding the negatives, there was nothing about the episode that I disliked. Let's put it that way. I would just like to have seen more of certain things. For instance, I've been waiting on this emotional conversation between Katie and Penny that's been building up and they've sort of been avoiding for a few episodes. I thought for sure we were getting it when he went to talk to her in the hospital. We got a couple of lines, but then it was moved into the action of breaking her out I loved Penny's closing lines on the thoughts later that we'll talk about, but I didn't really feel like I got that moment.
1: I see what you're saying, but I think that's all the time they really had to put towards those feelings as far as Penny and Katie are concerned. I think what they tried to do was they had Katie break down a little bit and really explain to him why she's hurting so much. She can't see living without him. She feels like she always puts himself in harm's way for others. She really broke it down for us, but then it was cut in half by them trying to get out.
0: Yeah, he didn't really get to respond. It was stopped there, then you had the action, and then later he just kind of has this closing remark about it, which was very sweet. And I totally understand focusing the time on the breakout, right? Because that's exciting. But there too, it wasn't as suspenseful as I thought it could be. I was so pumped about this idea of... Quentin and Poppy posing as doctors and trying to get through this mental status exam and fake out the real doctor. But that was kind of more about giving her the key and dropping the badge. And then they have this breakout, which culminates in a code green and then the fire alarm system going off. But then Katie punches somebody and they just disappear into the crowd. So there was a lot of building. And then, I don't know, it just didn't get to that full level of hype I was looking for.
1: But what are you talking about? The breakout or the hype between their argument?
0: Both. I felt like I kept getting cut off as we were shifted back and forth and it never reached that.
1: Well, with the argument, they did have a closing moment together on the street. And that was after Katie basically pulled a penny with Harriet. Now she's putting herself in harm's way. Yeah, that part of it I loved. So she's doing what she was mad at penny for. So there's kind of some levity there. And then they do have a little bit more of a talk. Well, they don't really
0: have a talk about it. That's the thing later on. We just get this line from Penny. And I guess it's an unspoken agreement that because Katie, through her actions, went and did this, she's on board. She's willing to go with him again. But he tells her later he needs to help get magic back because it's his only way out of there. He needs to go be a book, get eaten by a dragon. I love you. I'm sorry. We're cursed. (laughs) You know, I guess that is kind of their relationship. It's the nature of their relationship. So I definitely understand. I don't want to use this term again because I don't want Arjun to get mad at me. I know I said it last time when he was on. There are these moments of sort of anticlimax. And I, I felt like I had a lot of that going on this episode. The stuff with Fillory as well. And mainly because we've been waiting, waiting on the culmination of this thing with the Fairy Queen. And they save it right to the last two minutes of the episode. But I like his explanation when we talked about it then, and I keep kind of hearkening back to it. Well, in the real world, things usually aren't that climactic, right? And that's the sort of story both Lev Grossman and the magicians have been telling. This is the real world if we had magic. Things don't work out well. There's not always a big culminating fight scene. This is just getting by every single day. So I think they do a good job of depicting that.
1: One of my only issues, and it's not really an issue, I'm nitpicking a little bit, but last episode, Alice and Julia spent the whole episode trying to transfer the magic. Alice had it for the last five minutes of the episode. Mm -hmm. I think I didn't like how the following episode, it was the exact opposite. Now we got to get it back. I felt like that was too quick. And it made me feel cheated, like you made us watch the whole thing progress. And then right away, you you want it back.
0: I see what you're saying, but that was the one part of it I actually enjoyed, was the Alice Julia stuff. And that that didn't bother me because it wasn't just about the transfer of magic, right? It's about the theme with the two of them, all season and for the entirety of the magicians, whether or not they are able to come to terms with their own power. And they've sort of been mirror opposites. You had Alice for a very long time who was an incredibly powerful magician, but afraid to let herself tap into that and really see what it was like. We spoke about the one scene where she finally did in talking with Quentin and she grew that tree. It took all the way up to the extreme of being turned into a Niffin, And then she went nuts with this power. On the opposite end of it, you had Julia, who would stop at nothing to get that magic. She knew she was supposed to have it. She would go to hedge witches. She would do anything it took to figure it out for herself. Dean Fogg even says it this episode, kind of mirroring our thoughts. Wait a second. Is this the girl who fought against a memory swipe to find magic and now you're giving it up? And we said the same thing last episode. She's just going to give it away. What is wrong with her after all of that? So I wasn't too enthused about the idea of going down that track with her. I want to see Julia finally accept this magic and work through what she's been through with Reynard and use the magic for good. And I don't want to see Alice with that kind of power again.
1: Oh, I agree with you on that. And we knew for a couple episodes now, if one person's going to have the power, it shouldn't be Alice. hmm <laughs> But I guess you're right. Maybe they needed to pull the power away from Julia to make her realize, no, I need that. And also kind of grounded Alice to the point where she could give that speech that we've been saying. If we could speak to Julia, we would say, this isn't a piece of Reynard anymore. This is you. You've made it your own.
0: I also think that what Dean Fogg said to her finally made it click. This magic was custom fit for you. Nobody else can use it. It doesn't belong to anybody else. It feels like there's a big purpose for why she has it and what she's going to do with it by the end of this season, which will be great if and when we finally get there. On the other end, I have a question for you, though. It feels like a quick turnaround in one episode where Alice was going into cars with random vampire strangers willing to turn herself into a vampire just because she needed to have magic in some way, shape or form to by the end of the episode, she says, you know what? You're right. I shouldn't have this power. I'm giving it back to you.
1: Well, it was almost killing her friend.
0: Do you think, though, that she's really come to terms with that?
1: Well, I've learned not to trust anything entirely with this show. Mm-hmm. So maybe not completely come to terms because that's just not human nature. It's not a switch. Mm-hmm. But I think it's gone a long way. She saw how desperate she was reflecting on the fact that I was just in a car with a vampire about to become one myself. And then right away, almost kill my friend. And I'm allowing it to kill myself. Maybe at this point, it's best to give it to Julia.
0: I'm actually a little bummed if this is the end of that duo. Out of all the people we paired Julia with throughout the journeys, I most liked the dynamics between the two of them and the messages it brought up. We don't have a lot for this episode, but let's talk new faces and places. We had the reappearance of Victoria... It's been a while, so if you need a refresher, she was one of the missing third-year break-bill students that disappeared during their journey to Fillory. She was captured by the beast and used as bait for travelers until she was saved by Josh and Penny. For creatures, we had bookworm. We don't see the dragon yet, but we hear about it.
1: I love the name of it. Me too. So clever.
0: Which is a brindle Albanian pygmy dragon used by the library to send books to and from the underworld. That's going to be just a great visual. And for Stalls and Magic, we had magic secretion, which is still a bit mysterious. It's the secretion of a very rare magical creature. Of what, though? We don't know.
1: I think it's the captured fairies.
0: I think that's the assumption we're supposed to be led to, but are they considered very rare?
1: Maybe. I mean, we haven't seen too many of them. Her army, quote unquote, in the end of season two, wasn't Mm -hmm. that large. That's true. And she's trying, you see... She's trying to make more. To
0: grow it. Yeah, I guess there was the impression, and maybe that's what she wants to give off.
1: That there's a lot. That there's
0: a lot of them behind her. Well, the substance can be snorted (laughs) to give you some magic. And Julia remarks the magic itself looks and feels different.
1: Yeah, to me, it looked like dark magic.
0: I agreed when you said that the first time because it's sort of a black, wispy smoke. But then it was kind of wrapping very delicately in these thin bands around her hands. And I couldn't quite tell by her reaction. I think Stella Maeve acted that very well. It left it open. If she meant bad, really powerful, just different, I couldn't quite put my finger on that.
1: But I don't think it really matters because, and this might be an assumption just the way she had to ingest it, I think it only lasts for a little bit. So it's not like if it was bad black magic that it would uh, overcome her and make her evil.
0: Oh, yes. Not for her. But we do know that Irene McAllister seemingly has some more of this and has some fairies maybe locked up at her house. That storyline has not ended yet.
1: No. And we owe her a favor
0: now.
1: Yeah. We owe her. We don't know what.
0: Don't know what that is.
1: Dean Fogg warned us when he laughed drunkenly.
0: Hey... I disagree with Julia here because he might be a little bit drunk. Let's cut the man some slack. He's been more helpful in the last couple of episodes than in the entire three seasons.
1: Loving his scenes.
0: We also saw Alice using the intermediate unlocking charm to try to get into the infirmary stores. And we heard about something called a transplant. Now, you commented and they used it sort of in the same general context as the transfer meaning the voltaic transfer they used last episode for Julia to give Alice her magic. But here they spoke about it as though it was something different.
1: Maybe. I didn't read it as something different. If you think about it, transfers the action word of it, right? So if you're getting a kidney transplant while you're in the action of it, you're transferring the kidney.
0: Yeah, I mean, it definitely could be because this is the scene where Alice is hitting rock bottom, looking for whatever she can to help her out right before she goes to the vampire in an act of desperation. But I'm just kind of leaving that possibility open for now to see where it goes. And I think we could get some more knowledge from Professor Lipson. She comes in at unexpected times. She does know an awful lot about magic.
1: And while we're talking about that, I was surprised to see Professor Lipson there. We had a Clatcher write to us saying, maybe Katie meets Professor Lipson in the mental hospital, and they work together to get out. I thought that would have been a very fun storyline.
0: Yeah, that was my one big disappointment. I had mentioned that I was looking for a little bit more of the personal Katie journey and perhaps her finding herself emotionally while she was there at the hospital. Not that I wanted to see her in that place for any great length of time. That's awful. But I don't think she's really had the chance to work through that stuff for herself much. It's just kind of like being forced to go on the next adventure. And I think. At some point, she's going to have to come face to face with it. And I also think the future of any relationship she might have with Penny, and I don't know how that could happen with him on the astral plane, but will depend upon that being resolved as well.
1: I have a few magician's fun facts. One thing we know now is that season three, just like season two, will have a musical episode.
0: Yes.
1: And that'll be episode nine. So I'm very much looking forward to that. And one thing I wanted to keep remembering, and I've had it on my notes every week, waiting for something to pop up about this... If you remember, we spoke about it in the beginning of season two, episode one, when Quentin is in Fillory and he gives the witch a vial of his blood.
0: Yeah, you're very high on that.
1: Yeah. So I have it in my notes and even one of our Clatchers reminded us last week or two weeks ago. So I'm still curious what is going to come of that. Oh,
0: I was wondering if something sparked that off for you.
1: No, nothing in particular, but the Clatchers should keep an eye out for that.
0: Oh yeah, I have not forgotten
1: And then one was a fun tweet that I saw from Lev Grossman. He was asked, of all of his characters in his books, if he was to place them in the Hogwarts houses, who would go in what house?
0: The sorting.
1: It was so cool. So Lev wrote, Alice would go to Ravenclaw. Absolutely. Josh would go to Gryffindor.
0: Yeah, okay. I'm a little torn there between Hufflepuff and Gryffindor.
1: Elliot would also go to Gryffindor.
0: Yes, definitely.
1: Janet would go to Slytherin.
0: That was the book Margot. Okay. And I can see it.
1: Definitely. Especially this episode. (laughs) Penny would go to Ravenclaw.
0: Yes. And book-wise, that would kind of flush out that background. Absolutely.
1: Julia would also go to Ravenclaw. Yeah. And Quentin, where do you think he would go?
0: Gryffindor?
1: Nope. Hufflepuff.
0: Oh, poor Quentin. (laughs) Yeah. Okay.
1: And unfortunately, Katie isn't part of that list because Katie is an amalgam of two other characters.
0: I would definitely put her in Gryffindor, though, no questions. Gryffindor! Her bravery, her toughness.
1: Well, if you think about it, Hermione was in Gryffindor, and she was the one with the mean right hook.
0: Yeah, for a lot of reasons, she could have been in Ravenclaw, because she was a bookworm smarty pants. But she did have that feisty streak about her. Well, without further ado, let's get into our plot. We have it split between two this time, Fillory and Earth. At Whitespire, Tick tells Elliot and Margot the floaters have been pillaging Fillory, but Margot can't address that now as they have to deal with the fairies first.
1: This is crazy because I got a visual of it and I was like, wow, these floaters, man, they're just wreaking havoc on Fillory. Yeah. And Margot and Elliot, king and queen, have already made them lose most of their crops due to planting fungus and things of that nature. <laughs> and now they have, she's married into the floaters who are wreaking havoc in their land.
0: The Florians must be pissed. We get a good moment of humor, though, when Fenn and Frey return to the castle with Todd, all wearing Liberty foam hats and I Love New York t-shirts.
1: Elliot! Hey, guys.
0: We had this wonderful adventure. We went to the square of time Uh where no one sleeps. And it's always light. Man urinated next to me. And we saw bards performing on your famous Broadway. You call it cats, but it's just humans and cat grease paint. And we tried a delicacy called pizza at an eatery that was family style. Oh,
1: Fen. I love this scene because it's exactly what we pictured they would be like, right?
0: Yeah, except I really wanted to see them there. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But at least it let us know that our imaginations... We're correct on that.
0: Absolutely. And I love Elliot's response where he tells an annoyed looking Frey he hopes she enjoyed something because he wants her to be happy. And she responds, I think I could grow to despise you less with time.
1: And why did Todd call Elliot dad? That was so weird. I
0: think just because they're having this real family moment. Oh, and
1: he wanted to be a part of it. (laughs) Yeah,
0: And it does feel genuine on Frey's part when you have that unruly teenager that you're trying to figure out how to connect with. Aside, Margot shows Todd that fairies are real and instructs him to watch the hidden eggs while they're gone and make sure Frey doesn't see them. If her and Elliot don't return by tomorrow night, she also has another job for him. Um, Margot's a smart chickie. Why did she trust this to Todd? Just because she has nobody else.
1: And we know that by tomorrow night, the job is to kill the eggs, Mm -hmm. poach the eggs.
0: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah.
1: But out of all the people, yeah. Why Todd?
0: Tell Tick to do it. He's done a pretty good job so far.
1: Or Josh has to be around there somewhere.
0: Where is Josh?
1: Hashtag where's Josh? (laughs) New t-shirts next week. Where's Josh?
0: Best moment though. Tick wins comedy moment for almost every episode. He leads Margot to the throne room where there are feathers covering the floor because, well, he had to make Elliot and Margot's chicken pox believable to the fairy queen.
1: That was very funny, and you really enjoyed that.
0: I consistently love It Never Gets Old, his misunderstanding that he doesn't get earth terms, culture things. (laughs) just takes it so literally. And besides, everyone in the castle bought it. The floaters even headed back to their island. So that solves that. The bad news is there are people outside on spikes with signs that say, death to floaters.
1: So that's probably the real reason why they left. Mm. It's the Florians, right? Because we see at the end of this episode them going after the king and queen in a rebellion.
0: Yes, but who's really behind all of that? The fairy queen. Yeah. She incited that somehow.
1: Well, we don't know much about the floaters. That might be in their nature, just being assholes.
0: It kind of seems like it is. Yeah.
1: So she's just stirring the pot. Well, I mean that now we know or perhaps we know why she invited them. Mm Mm-hmm. To do this whole thing,
0: it was a grand plan on her part. And every move that Elliot and Margot make, she's been able to be five steps ahead, which we'll get to in a second. First, Elliot and Margot go to the fairy queen with a deal. In exchange for the fairy eggs they are holding hostage, they want her bathtub. They will give it as a fountain to the entire population of Fillory. And since she'll have a deal with all Fillorians, everyone will be able to see the fairies. She has until tomorrow to accept or leave, or they kill the eggs. Now, while this was a great thought, from the jump, I was thinking, how does this really help them to just see the fairies? That doesn't show the people all of the menacing things they're up to. Where did she think that was going to go in their favor?
1: I don't really know. I'm presuming that she was going to have a declaration to the Falorian saying, these fairies have been telling us to do this. We need to stand up against them and take out their crops and blah, blah, blah.
0: Hmm, Maybe. Or is it just that most Falorians know that most fairies are bad? So by seeing a bunch of them in there, they would assume. I, I don't know. I guess maybe the same way the fairy queen kind of riled them all up into mob mentality. She thought she would do the same. But unfortunately, because Todd is, well, an idiot, Frey finds the hidden fairy eggs. She's outraged, saying this is kidnapping. Fen tries to break it to her that she's not a fairy and the queen will never see her that way. She also explains Elliot did this for a good reason and family is about loyalty.
1: I knew as soon as they said family is about loyalty, mm-hmm. it's going to bite them in the ass because we know that family to Frey is the fairies.
0: And I can see Fen's blindness to this. We've known for quite some time she's been won over by Frey. She can't allow herself to see any of the truth behind it because she's in denial. But Elliot knows better. And he said right off the bat that they have to be suspicious of her and her loyalties. He should have maybe been checking in on this situation a little more. I mean, I know he's got his hands full with everything that's going on in Fillory. So I guess he hasn't been keeping track. But they went on this whole little bonding trip to the city. And Frey must know she's got Fen kind of wrapped around her finger. And Todd is their chaperone?
1: Well, we all know Todd should never have said, don't look in there. And then also, they should have covered the eggs with something.
0: It's like telling somebody, don't push that big red button over there. (laughs) And I know that Elliot and Fen do have a conversation later, but it's kind of focused around their emotions. It's, It's almost like they got lulled into this false sense of security with Frey being around the whole time, and they're not quite on red alert with her anymore. Meanwhile, Elliot wonders to Margot what will happen if this turns to all-out war. They could just return to Earth, but Margot insists they both sacrificed a lot for Fillory, and they need to see it through. Elliot doesn't want to leave, but what if they're making things worse? Margot says she chose to be High Queen, and has had to fight for every shred of authority that was handed to Elliot he can't understand. This was a really pivotal conversation because it sort of talks about everything we've been saying with these characters and their role and finding their power, figuring out what they're supposed to be doing. And she states it very clearly here. I've had to work super hard on this and now it means something to me and I am going to do whatever it takes to fight
1: for it. Absolutely. I loved, again, I feel like I'm saying this a lot. I love Summer's acting and I love Margot's character. She's so powerful and strong. And I think that scene also acted as a way to remind us everything they've gone through and everything she's gone through. They're mid-season now. Here's a little recap. Don't forget all that's going on as Elliot's out on adventures. She's the one that's had to stay at home and take care of everything and deal with the fairy and deal with getting married and the person dying in front of her and then getting married to the little twerp younger brother, you know? But what I really loved about this scene... Did you notice what she was wearing, Margot?
0: Was this with the gold eye patch?
1: It was black and gold eye patch. And her dress was black with gold highlights. And she had those very rounded and high shoulder padding, which was very like a a Wicked Witch type look. Not looking witchy, but what the bad character in Disney cartoons or, or Disney movies would be.
0: We talked about this a lot on Game of Thrones, right? When characters like Cersei started to wear more black and had the higher shoulder pads in her costuming to signify that power shift.
1: And this isn't the only black dress. When we see her later on, she's wearing another one similar, but a little more gold in it. Very powerful.
0: Well, and understandably so, because of everything you just said with what she's gone through, she initially thinks when Elliot says, well, we could just go back to Earth, that he's planning on bouncing Now that shit's getting real. But he makes a good point. What if we're making things worse? Do you think that they are? Do you think that humans are really meant to rule Fillory?
1: Well, we have an affection towards these characters, so it's hard to say that. But if you look at the past, which we've talked about, this is probably why the queen, the fairy queen, hates them. The earthlings (laughs) have failed Fillory over and over and over again. Now, granted, most of it was due to a curse on the thrones, but the Falorians don't know that.
0: And the whole reason that Ember and Umber made this decree, that it had to be humans ruling there, was because they wanted to see shit messed up. They wanted the kind of chaos they knew this was going to create. You could very easily say, this is not their fault. They had a fairy invasion. This is the fairy queen's fault. But is this sort of inevitably what happens when you have outsiders ruling the
1: kingdom? For sure. I mean, you could say it's their fault that there was no magic. You could say... It's their fault for a lot of things, but I think it all goes down to the fact that the two demigods, it's their fault because they created this game for themselves Mm -hmm. and created this chaos.
0: And I do think that they could be good rulers now after everything that they've learned. They've actually tried to learn what Fillory is about and they want the best for it. If everyone would just stop attacking them and trying to menace their rule. When back to the scene, a concerned Fen informs Elliot that Frey found and took the eggs. But before they can address it, the queen comes in and reveals that Frey has been telling her everything they are up to. Now again, how did they not see this coming? They knew Frey was going there to spy on them. So the queen tells them if they release her eggs, she won't hurt Frey, who is shocked that the queen turned on her. The Queen retaliates. You are a perfect specimen of human duplicity. You betrayed your own parents. Why would I ever trust you? Whew.
1: Yeah. Well, the Queen is ruthless. What's crazy is the balance they had with this whole scene. I was never really angry at Frey because in her mind, she was doing the right thing. She felt like the humans were being the bad ones. She never gave me that feeling that she was a spy in this particular scene. It was more of a mistaken trust.
0: And she knew the truth the whole time, right? So why would she have loyalty to them? It makes perfect sense, but it makes me think back to the scene that the Fairy Queen had with Margot, where she watched her talk to the Heartwood and then later said that Margot has been proving herself. Mm-hmm. And it did genuinely seem like she respected Margot's loyalty and strength and feels the exact opposite about what Frey has done here. And I know she's had sinister purposes this whole time, but I do wonder if there were moments... Or she was being genuine well against Margot's advice Margot is ready to throw Frey <laughs> under the bus here Elliot is about to agree to the deal and back out in order to help his daughter until Frey starts to reveal she's not his daughter just another human who
1: that was great I was so excited and then I started thinking to myself the first episode where we were introduced to Frey you and I were saying she's not her daughter mm-hmm but I think we kind of just acquiesced to the thought of her actually being their daughter and just went with the flow. We were fooled.
0: I was still very on guard about Frey. I think part of me thought she could be her daughter, but still be a spy, still be devoted to the fairy queen. And now that I know she's not, I wonder if part of Frey really did want that Mm. because there did seem to kind of be that dynamic happening there. This is where... The queen, not able to shut her up in time, reluctantly admits that Frey isn't their child. Their real daughter died during childbirth. And it seems now, without any real leverage, the queen will have to take the deal.
1: Yeah, I love the way Margot strong-armed her back.
0: I was suspicious of that right away, though, because she told the truth about Frey way too
1: easily. I loved her panache. When she told her off.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: but do we now trust the queen? Is the baby actually dead? I don't think so.
0: I mean, what does she have to gain by that lie? Just that she has their real child somewhere to use later? Don't you think she would have used it as leverage here?
1: No, oh, you might be right. I, I just don't trust anything with her now. No, I don't either. She could pull that card later. Uh, Yeah, you might be right. At this point, yeah.
0: And I say that because it makes sense with the next scene that we get where Elliot finds Fenn later trying to calm down by sharpening a dagger. and She explains to him when their daughter was born, they took her away, never let her hold her and she didn't even hear her cry. She should have known. She was ready to believe Frey and thought if she willed it hard enough, it could be real because she can't live with this. Elliot tries to comfort her. He tells her she was a great mother and she deserves better than this. Fenn says she needs time and can't be in Fillory right now.
1: She loves Earth. She needs some pizza.
0: Well, she wants to be away from all this crap. Who can blame her? She has yeah. been through so much.
1: Yeah, she seems, <clears throat> she seems so much more level-headed as compared to the beginning of this season.
0: Well, she was traumatized and bereaved, and this goes to show a good part of her did know deep down somewhere that she lost that child. And I think she also knew Frey wasn't really their daughter, but she says it right here. She was in denial. She thought she could will it into existence because the truth was so much harder. She didn't want to have to face it. And, I mean, come on, Elliot also says the truth on his end. He hasn't been the best husband and been there for her 100%. So I like that they're having a bonding moment and he wants to help her now in whatever way he can.
1: Little fun fact, Brittany actually learned how to really sharpen knives. She went and took a course. Oh, really? And bought some knives and the sharpeners.
0: I love that because this scene really also harkens back. It's easy to forget Fen's origins, where she came from, that she was the daughter of a sword maker and she is a Felorian. So you do have that connection there to the Felorian people and what it's actually like through Fen. In our final scene here, Elliot and Margot ride in the carriage with the queen who is ready to agree to their deal. She tells them Frey didn't want to return with her. Her fate is her own now. And Elliot wonders what her end game was. I think maybe speaking for us, is it just standard world domination? What was happening here? But she says, it's a sign of your human privilege that you see things so simply. Children of Earth have been making a mess of things here for some time. I can no longer help you. What does this mean? It sounds like exactly what we were saying. Some part of her maybe was trying to help mold them into better rulers.
1: I don't know. I was trying to believe that earlier this season, but with how the floaters progressed in the storyline and everything she's been doing to them, I, I I don't see any way that she was trying to help them.
0: Well, let's think about it for a second. If she really wanted this to be a better place, and it is true, the humans have been messing things up for a long time. This is her home. It means everything to them. She's willing to kill some people abuse and torture marco and elliot a bit do whatever it takes to get to that end goal i just i feel the same as elliot i don't really know what that end goal was but their actions now seem to have led her to a point that she doesn't think she can even make use of them anymore and so she disappears as the carriage stops and an angry mob starts attacking
1: where were they going anyways where is the carriage supposed to go
0: no, maybe just a chance for them to talk. I'm not sure.
1: Well, I think this will lead to a good scene for Margot. I think we'll be able to see her rise as a ruler by the way she speaks to the Florians. Or am I just...
0: I don't see how they're getting out of this. She Man, can talk was... her way out yeah but that was like a horror story you can talk your way out when you sort of have the attention of the people when they're already turned full mob mentality nothing you're gonna say is gonna change their mind i mean they're on top of that carriage pulling open the doors when the episode ends i think something has to come in here and intervene to help them out of it julia maybe well they're a little preoccupied at the moment so i don't know oh true (laughs) Speaking of, let's go over to Earth and check in with the rest of our magicians. If you go back to the point where Elliot and Margo return to the physical cottage through the clock, toting their egg hostages, together with Q and Poppy they found Alice on the floor, unconscious. When revived, Alice says her body is just getting used to Julia's magic and she gets occasional surges. Dean Fogg thinks her body's going through something like organ rejection. It's all an experiment and they don't know what will happen. But it doesn't really matter because they're going to do what they want anyway. Stubbornly, Alice says she will be okay because she prepared for this. She did energy balancing spells, exercises, and with Poppy proposing an idea for Penny to help on their quest, Julia says she will take care of Alice. Hugh should go get the key while they still can. They're all counting on him to bring back magic.
1: Well, I love the scene just prior to this where we get the first introduction to the rest of the crew and Poppy. I remember last episode, I was like, how is, how is Q going to introduce her? And it was in a very Q kind of way. Well, she's not exactly helping me.
0: But... <laughs> he can't even say it. He's so funny. Well, how about Alice's full-on denial here? She's going to make this work by any means. She's fine. Doesn't matter that she practically had a seizure and passed out. And I didn't think Julia would come to care so much. For her wanting to help her you know we got into this together and now I'm gonna fix it so Q does go to try to figure out this key situation he tells Penny they lost the next key in the underworld and need his help to go get it and wasn't Penny supposed to report to the underworld branch anyway the magicians hear us I mean come <laughs> on
1: <laughs> yeah but still that's so insensitive of Q like, weren't you supposed to go to your captives anyways?
0: Always, him and Penny. <laughs> that relationship, it's, it's amazing. It's so love-hate. But we were just asking that question. What was going to happen with that? Does he still have to go to the underworld branch? Will he? And he tells Q, I burned my body to try to avoid that. No, I'm not going back there. But Quentin explains that if they don't get there before Benedict moves on, then they will have no idea where the key is. Magic is everyone's problem. And while he doesn't like begging, he knows Penny occasionally stops being a dick when the fate of the world (laughs) is at stake. Here's the plan. They need a gatekeeper, a dragon, to travel to the underworld. Poppy suggests the library's dragon, the bookworm. She read about it for her dissertation. Penny tells them it's real, but it's too small to send a full-sized person. Q suggests he could project into a book to be transported. But once he gets the key and sends it back up, it would go to the satellite library, which is on another planet. They would need another traveler to go there and get it. Penny mentions she knew one, Victoria, who was in her class. Q tells her they saved Victoria and she's alive. So Poppy agrees to convince her as long as she can go with them.
1: Well, it's good news that Poppy's back on Earth and not leaving them. So I guess that's good. I still don't completely trust her. I'm wondering what she's out for at this point. And if it's to get that key back, because we did start talking about the fact that maybe she didn't want the key to go back to Earth. We saw that she opened that door to that weird place that looked like a dungeon. So maybe she's sticking around for her own selfish reasons to get that key back to go wherever she needs to.
0: There's definitely more behind this. Now, for the moment, I could see somebody like Poppy who's obsessed with dragons right? She's read about this bookworm dragon and probably is just really eager to see it in person, wants to be on the adventure. But long term, I don't know what she's about. I love everything that's happening here. This is the kind of magic I need sprinkled into my episodes telling us about how the library works. They have their own dragon. They use it to send books. And if they project it back up, it's going to go to the satellite library. I mean, this is just great, right? It's a really good plan. But it's very convoluted, and Q even says it later, there are so many things that could go wrong.
1: There's so many moves, and then we see later that it gets even a little more complicated. And we know the library is not a place to mess with.
0: And Penny is not even that adept at this whole going into an object thing. I mean, he made it work in epic fashion, but I'm sure this takes some practice. Meanwhile, Julia goes to speak with Dean Fogg.
1: I'm sorry. (laughs) Forgive me. Not long ago, you wanted magic so badly, you fought through a memory wipe. And now?
0: It's complicated Uh, and personal.
1: Fine, I'll file it under entitled millennial bullshit. Let's be frank, Miss Wicker. Whatever you and Alice are doing, it won't work. You don't know that. I know a lot more than you. You're drunk and you're mean. And I'm right. Look, for whatever reason, what you had fits you. Doesn't fit Alice.
0: She keeps it, she'll die. So what do I do? Take it back. Maybe you don't want it, but I think you prefer it than to have Alice's blood on your hands. The problem is Julia needs magic in order to initiate the transfer. So the two of them go to Irene McAllister to make a deal. She will give them some of her reserve in exchange for this favor, whatever it might be.
1: That's going to come back to bite him.
0: And back at break Bill's, Fog tells Julia it's time to use the magic to cast a locator spell. They haven't been able to find Alice, so she snorts the secretion to find her on the map.
1: So, of course, at that point, we don't know where on the map it is. It says Greenpoint, which is crazy. My grandmother used to live there. Oh, yeah? But we don't know exactly what that means. When we do find out what it means, it only makes sense because the beginning of the season, she was talking to the vampires to get information So it's not out of nowhere. I like how they loop things back in constantly.
0: We've said it before, never underestimate the magicians because they never drop a plot thread. It will always come back around. We also find out Victoria is still upset with Poppy for sleeping with Josh on spring break. Q gives her the truth key and she sees Penny. She tells them she works with a group now that is about freedom of information. And we deduce, of course, that's run by Harriet. Who doesn't like Penny? (laughs) She'll stop Victoria from helping, but Penny has an idea to send Katie to talk to her, as Harriet does like Katie. First, though, they'll need to get her out of the hospital.
1: I like this. This is the way of making Katie relevant to the story again. And I don't mean she's irrelevant, but they need a reason during all this chaos to go and get her out. And this is a perfect reason.
0: Yeah, and tie her back into the main storyline of finding the key. And this is what we wanted, right? Start to get the group back together for our quest? Plus, we were wondering what's going on with her at the hospital. She is looking sedated, none too good. After going to see her, Penny explains to Q and Poppy she is in the high-risk ward. Both the ward and room are locked, and there are guards at the entrance. But Q knows if they want to hold her involuntarily for more than 15 days, they have to bring in outside doctors to certify she's crazy,
1: Is that true in real life?
0: Yes. I was going to say that's a crude way of putting it. But if you're trying to keep somebody against their will and they want to leave and you feel they still need more treatment and want them to stay, it's a mental hygiene law that you need two doctors to sign off on this. And one has to be somebody that's not currently treating them in the hospital.
1: For the protection of the patient, right?
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: But chances are the doctors know each other.
0: Um, no, normally no. they don't. Oh. It, it actually is a pretty good procedure.
1: They don't go to like doctorsmingle.com?
0: And, <laughs> and no, I guess and... not. Well, this gives Q a good idea. They can pose as doctors. After all, it's a state hospital with old computer systems. It will take a while to verify they aren't real.
1: It's a little slim.
0: This is also kind of a Threat joke of a on real life. But yeah, but it's a joke on real life.
1: State run, very old school. Oh,
0: in certain hospitals, how long they took to switch over from com- from their paper charts. Oh my God,
1: your hospital took forever.
0: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I know what that's about.
1: If I remember correctly, you weren't enjoying that new system when they did introduce it.
0: Oh, it was so ridiculous. And it took forever to learn. And in the beginning, you were having to do everything three times because you still had paper charts and then you had the stuff on the computers. Nobody could figure out how to do it.
1: But even in that case, would your boss allow two people saying their doctor's walk right in and talk to their patients
0: well no but the thing is it's not exactly like you have a badge like a police officer to prove you don't walk around with your degree on you you know what I thought was kind of crazy they have this whole plan they're gonna pose so that she won't have to be kept there voluntarily but they still need to steal a security badge to sneak her out
1: because they're not gonna be able to bring her out so she's she's still gonna have to sneak out on her own
0: but if they didn't sign off on her stay, then the hospital would have to release her. Oh. Like, these two doctors are coming in. They're not going to verify what the first doctor's saying. They're going to say, she's not crazy, thus the hospital can't keep her anymore.
1: Yeah, but I think by that time, they'll be able to check on those doctors. Like, they're not going to say, no, she's not crazy. And then they go, okay, you're released. It's probably still going to take some time, some paperwork. So some why do they even check.
0: need to pose this doctor? Oh, so they can, they can get, get in her there. a badge. yeah. Well, they could have her.
1: got in there as visitors. Oh, that would have been a lot easier. Y-
0: you know what I mean?
1: Oh. Wait, can you... No, she's in high risk. You can't go in as a visitor at that stage.
0: Um, It depends. We had certain times of the day where they could go into a day room that it's still in a locked area. And they could see visitors unless they were really doing badly. And I guess it looks like Katie is. I don't know. They're they're having to push it a little bit to make all these pieces work, which is kind of what I meant by the breakout scene.
1: Yeah, I don't mind. I mean, they have magic. So they're pushing some things with magic, too.
0: Well, pushing (laughs) some some things as in they almost had too much Mm. going on here, you know?
1: But Q looks pretty good in in a suit.
0: Well, and I like the idea that they give Katie the key so that Penny can explain to her without anybody else knowing what he's saying.
1: That was really smart thinking in real time and changing your plans real life.
0: Yeah. (laughs) You know what I wanted? A little minute more. Dr. Walton is sitting in on this mental status exam of Q trying to be a doctor and perform the evaluation Mm. and figure out what questions to ask. That was really funny.
1: I do have to say he was being so obvious, though. The (laughs) way he was looking at her, and then when the badge falls, like slumping over...
0: Uh, it was it's kind like come of on silly. you're not even it was kind of <laughs> silly. It's so obviously the
1: doctor finds it. But he's really not aware. For a doctor in psychology, you have to say you have to be pretty aware of your surroundings, of body language, things of that nature, and right? And you
0: wouldn't just say somebody dropped their badge.
1: Oh, someone dropped their badge and, and if, I noticed cuz you were slumping over weirdly.
0: And if the badge enables you access. See, in my hospital, the badge just says who you are. So it wouldn't be a big deal. Then we had a whole ring full of keys that opened doors.
1: Oh, that talk about old school.
0: would be a major deal.
1: <laughs> you stole the keys.
0: Oh yeah. A ring of like 20 of them that hung at your waist.
1: If you had to call code, did you have a, a rotary phone?
0: Yeah, you're so funny. No, I picked up the phone and used the PA system.
1: Did you guys use code green for that?
0: We had different colors, so any kind of major event, behavioral outburst, was a code white.
1: What's code red? Fire. Oh. Okay. <laughs> code blue is flood.
0: Medical emergency.
1: C- code green.
0: We didn't have a code green.
1: What if? Okay, so what if a patient is? Yeah, missing? that was white. Oh. Okay. Any kind
0: of crazy, something's going on with a patient. Nurses all staff has to respond. Yeah. Code white.
1: Okay. And I'm sorry to do this, guys. I'm just very interested. So we always see this in TV. Code white, code white, and everyone knows where to go. But in reality, it's a big hospital. How do you know where to run to?
0: They only announce that part over the PA system. Then they pick up the phone and call the unit nurse and say, this is where the code's happening. Send whoever you have available. Now, (laughs) it's not really a lockdown, though, because on an inpatient psych unit, you're already locked down. Every single door is locked. Even if you got past one, you wouldn't have the ability to get past another. There's about three of them that have to happen before you can get out of the hospital. So, you know, maybe this is just a little harder for me because I know the ins and outs of how things work. You wouldn't be able to just punch somebody in the face and then disappear in a crowd, even if it was a fire procedure.
1: Yeah, but she knows Kraft Maga.
0: But I like this scene. This is what we were talking about where they did have a bit of the conversation, Katie and Penny... He explains to her they need her help to talk to Harriet so they can get the next key from the underworld. I'm the only one who can get it, Katie.
1: You're doing it again, aren't you? throwing your life at a problem to solve it. I'm tired, Penny. What couple deals with this kind of shit on a regular basis?
0: I thought we were in a couple. It's not funny. It's a little funny. Penny is struck with the idea, he tells her to yell at him, at which point a guard comes in to take the key from her. By him grabbing it and revealing Penny, it gives them a moment of distraction enough for Katie to knock him
1: out. I just have to stress that I'm pretty upset with the crew, and I have been all season, and actually all three seasons. Penny was our MVM last year. Mm -hmm. For lack of him not being on screen too much this season, he's only had one MVM. We've had our fights last year because I kept naming him MVM. Yeah. I think still this crew is nothing without Penny and they don't realize it.
0: And Q had kind of forgotten about him until he needs something from the underworld. And then it's like, oh, Penny can help.
1: Yeah. But even when he's asking him, he's asking him like,
0: e- exactly. you're supposed to be there
1: anyways. Come on, man. He doesn't
0: really appreciate him.
1: And I know Penny was very crude with him in the beginning in season one. but For
0: sure. Yeah. But it's fun now. They're all on an escape mission together. Penny stands guard as Katie sneaks through the halls. The code green is called, but Q and Poppy realize they're going to need help with a new plan for this to work. So Poppy lights a fire in the closet to initiate the fire protocol. The sprinklers go off and the doors open back up. And then we said while the guards spot Katie, they're able to punch one out and slip out of the doors.
1: Poppy's characteristics is what we've been missing in the crew. Quick to respond, quick to think... And just very clever.
0: Yeah, take action. Just kind of live in the moment and do what needs to be done.
1: It seems like she's lived life. Even Q said, like, you've done this before? Mm It seems like she's done a lot before.
0: It's very true. But as I was saying about her book character, you know, she's also very smart. She's very skilled. She is somebody you would want on your team if you could trust
1: them. If you could trust them, exactly. Which makes me wonder, and this is probably moot and doesn't mean much, but we all lean on our strengths. So as a magician, she's so good at things like that, which doesn't require magic. I wonder if her magic wasn't that strong as compared to someone like Alice, who doesn't think that quickly on her feet as far as like, grab all of these right away and burn them and then I'll open the code and everyone will have to leave because she always depended on magic because she's so good at that.
0: Or maybe she used those kinds of magic the way Katie does. Like maybe she was good with battle magic. Or on the cunning side of her, maybe she used illusion magic. You know, maybe she okay. played to her strengths.
1: This podcast was made possible by Casper Mattress. Casper is a sleep brand that makes expertly designed products to help you get your best rest one night at a time. A company that has the product, selection, and convenience.
0: Their mattress has a quality sleep surface that is designed to mimic human curves so, it cradles your natural geometry and provides support and comfort for all bodies. Now, Jason, you and I have both had our fair share of sleep problems. Yeah. I don't know if you remember our old mattress we used to have a while back. You could feel the springs through it, it sloped down onto one side. A lot of times we'd wake up in the middle of the night sweating.
1: Well, yeah, it's sloped down to my side because I'm a lot heavier than you.
0: Yeah, so you would roll over into one side. With Casper, you don't have to worry about any of that. They have a breathable design that helps you sleep cool and regulates your body temperature throughout the night. The original Casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory foams for a surface with the right amounts of sink and bounce. And after all, you spend one third of your life sleeping, so you should be comfortable, right?
1: They also offer an array of other products, including pillows and sheets, to ensure an overall better sleep experience.
0: So sometimes you don't think about the pillow, but that can be really important too. And Casper offers all of this at affordable prices because they cut out the middleman and sell directly to you. They have hassle-free returns, if you're not completely satisfied, and the product is delivered right to your door in a small, how-do-they-do-that-sized box.
1: It's insane. Plus, Casper has free shipping and returns in the U.S. and Canada.
0: And you can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. And here's the best part, Clatchers. By visiting casper.com forward slash CKC and using the promo code CKC at checkout, you get $50 towards select mattresses. That's casper.com forward slash CKC, promo code CKC. Terms and conditions apply. Well, with Katie out of the hospital, she goes to Harriet to talk to her about this favor. Harriet's not willing to blow months of planning for someone who never paid her back on their last deal. Katie says she's grateful for Penny and volunteers her friends to help rob the library.
1: My God, they're just upping the stakes. I can't believe they're going to rob the library.
0: And Penny again in the background. If anyone's listening, this is a bad idea. (laughs) (laughs) Let's
1: put this in perspective real quick. For us, Earthlings, no magic. Power is money, right? So the most guarded things are valuable people like the president and money. Banks or Fort Knox, those are the things that are the hardest to get into. For magicians, it's magic. And we know that in this universe, magic comes with studying and knowledge. It's not something natural. So that's the most valuable thing, which would be the library,
0: I was just going to say, though, in all worlds, knowledge is always power. Power.
1: True. But I mean, you don't guard books as if they are the money. A library doesn't have, the, in the real world, guards where that's the hardest thing to get into because it's not the knowledge of the magic,
0: it's not a direct link. To right. the power here. But also the way of the world is changing. That used to be the only way you could get that information. And for magicians, it still is. Now that internet. knowledge is right available on the internet. So it's a little different. But if you think about there used to be restricted books, banned books, people would burn books when you first learned about oh, right. information being available, how to build a bomb. This was crazy talk.
1: You're right, because knowledge was, especially back in the day when, I mean, remember when only remember, like you were there, but <laughs> <laughs> when only a few people could read, they had the power.
0: Exactly. In many ways, this magician's world is a little bit like that, a step back in time. So that scene ends, as we discussed, Penny's going to do this plan, even though it's crazy. And we go over to check on Alice, who's at the Break Bill's Infirmary. Talking to Professor Lipson, who you said, it's amazing she's even out, but she tells us this is thanks to her 14 daily pills that she's feeling better enough to function. And surprisingly, she's very open to talking to Alice, giving her what she needs. She's high. (laughs) I know, but she also seems to feel for her. As soon as she lists off the things she wants, Lipson knows what she's about. She even gives her the steroids and tells her it's just a band-aid, but it might help a little.
1: Well, she relates. She almost gave a blowjob to a werewolf so that she could be turned for magic Mm -hmm. to be a creature, which gave Alice the idea of going to a vampire.
0: Mm -hmm. And she was really close to doing it. Luckily, Julia shows up just before she can go through with it and stops her. I love this line where the vampire says, not enough money to deal with hedge witch Buffy.
1: Perfect. This show is, uh, I mean, there's so many things I hate when a show is too smart for their own good. This show always knows where it's at, always knows what their fans are thinking, and embraces it and makes it part of the show.
0: Right, down to their execution to the moment. I mean, it's perfect. I was actually scared when this started to turn into an encounter. Alice tries to walk away and Julia puts up the shield.
1: Very delicate, though, if you think of it. Think about it. It's just a wall.
0: She's graceful with her magic. Whereas Alice retaliates by throwing her into a wall and knocking her out. I kind of wanted to see them have a magic off a little more.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but it didn't make sense for the storyline. There's a reason why Persephone chose Julia. And that's the reason right there. She's delicate with her magic. She's not going to hurt her friends, but she's going to stop them if she needs to. As opposed to Alice, who's just going to go off of pure emotion and almost kill her friend.
0: Well, and if Julia had really decided to step it up, we know that Alice only has a small portion of that magic right now. Julia really could have been the one to kill her if she went full on with her magic. But here she gets knocked out and wakes up to Alice telling her she transferred all the magic back to her. Julia tried to help her and Alice almost killed her. So this has made her realize she needed to do that. She said she's been in limbo since Q dragged her back and it's excruciating. So let me just
1: press upon the one gripe I had. And with this podcast, we have to bring up what we love, and we have to discuss what we don't like. Or else it'd just be a love fest, and that's not very interesting. I don't like how this very dangerous transfer that they've been talking about. Dean Fogg even warned them. Penny said he saw people go on fire. It was very dangerous last episode. He was so concerned for them. And then they do it once, and then they do it again this episode. And it's just Alice doing it alone with this weird, toy-looking, like, scrap together scraps, and it was fine.
0: Yeah, it kind of made sense when Julia did it because she had so much power. He was talking about regular magicians doing it and blowing themselves up, but if she has the strength of a demigod, well, maybe she could do it. Alice, having only a portion of that, it doesn't really make as much sense. She tried to do that other spell, and she had a seizure.
1: Well, that's what we thought last episode, but I think we learned this episode, no, she had the full power, but her body couldn't deal with it. She didn't have just a portion. Julia didn't have any power left. She had to get power, which we learned this episode.
0: Yeah, but it wasn't a right fit and she wasn't able to cultivate it. She told Dean Fogg at one point, it's small, but I can grow it, but she couldn't. She was doing those exercises. She was trying. She was just in denial that it wasn't working for her the way it should have.
1: And what have we learned here, people? We need to make friends with creatures. That's what we've learned. They have the power.
0: We got to find some good creatures. Yeah. It seems like a lot of the ones we meet are not that great. That's but true. We've met some like the Great Cock, who was pretty yeah. helpful. Well, as wonky as certain things were with practicalities, I do like the emotional kind of bonding moment we have between these two characters here. Yeah. Where Julia says she knows what Alice is feeling, she still sees Reynard. It's because it happened. It leaves a mark, and figuring out how to deal with it takes time. And Alice, really amazing, almost in awe, says, I understand what Q saw in you. You're brave. That's why you can hold it all. The pain, the shittiness. That's why you are you. Julia says, life doesn't always ask permission. It just is. If you really think about (laughs) the dynamic here, this should be way more awkward than it is. Q was in love with Julia when they were younger, and pretty much his whole life, whether he admits it to himself or not. Of course. Then he has this relationship with Alice, but it really doesn't work out. And yet these two women are very natural together, and they're able to work together at a problem that should really have them fighting with each other. There's only a little bit of magic. We, everybody needs it for their own cause. Who's going to get it? Um, they're able to figure that out and come to really respect each other. To the point where Alice even says she knows the magic isn't Reynard's anymore. She felt it when she had it. For whatever reason, it's Julia's now. The question is, what will she do with it?
1: In last episode, we went over the poster. And we know that Julia is going to be the main magician for this season. And I'm very excited to see what comes of Julia after this.
0: Well, not only does she have magic in a world where magic is gone for all of our characters, all magicians... She has the power and strength of a demigod. And as we said, moving forward now, maybe it seems like she took the first step towards accepting that. Once she does, she'll really be able to utilize it. What do you think she's going to do? What part is she going to play on this journey? How is that magic going to work?
1: Well, if it goes the way they're pushing it, she's going to embrace this magic. And we know, like anything in life, if you have a skill and you're fighting the skill, like your dad was good at it, And you're good at it, but you hate the fact that your dad forced you to. I mean, I'm pulling this out of my butt. but So you never really applied yourself. Now that she's embraced this new power, I mean, this demigod power, she'll fully apply herself. And I think the possibilities are tremendous.
0: Well, you said starting with maybe helping with the fairy queen.
1: Well, I think she's stronger. She's going to be stronger than the fairy queen. It's a demigod.
0: That would be a good fight to see, though. I'd like to see the fairy queen get her butt kicked
1: me too i just hope it's not a quick scene
0: yeah like with the beast
1: yeah i want to see some harry potter shit (laughs) fight back and forth
0: showdown (laughs) magical showdown we have a final quick scene where poppy goes to see q who's stressing over the likelihood of their plan failing he says everything they're doing if they mess it up it's not just them who suffer poppy kisses him to short circuit his panic attack it says, it's getting tiresome. It's sweet how much you care about your friends, even the ones who don't like you. But let's just have some fun.
1: Okay, so they're trying to let us know what Poppy's really like. She's a free spirit.
0: Brutally honest.
1: Brutally honest mm-hmm. and just in the moment. She's always in the moment. Unlike Q, who's always worried about everything. But sometimes you need that worry. And I think with this next plan, there's so many cogs that have to move. There's so many things that have to go right. It makes sense to worry. But of course, he's overdoing the worry.
0: And that doesn't fix anything. And Q has a problem with being inside of his own head to the point that not only does he miss out on life, but it also probably stops him from being as effectual as he could be. I think they can teach each other something here. And maybe Poppy's not all bad. Maybe she can teach Quentin to just live, dude. Just be on this (laughs) journey.
1: Yeah, I'm still... Remiss to fully trust Poppy until she's been challenged and has to make a decision herself or the crew. Of course. And to be honest with you, I'm not shipping Q and Poppy. No? No. You're
0: not feeling that? No. I I kind of like the well, balance. Well, the yin and
1: yang. Yeah. I yeah, knew Not you were say that. Not
0: for a long term relationship, but maybe they both need that. You know, maybe they both need to learn a little bit of the other person and. Maybe. I agree with you. I definitely don't trust her yet, but I do think they're trying to show us this other side of her for a reason. Well, that sums up the plot. Let's get into our rating. On a scale of 1 to 10 keys, what do you give Episode 7?
1: Well, as I said, I really did enjoy this episode. And it's very difficult when you're having the best season of the show. A lot of plot points were moved forward. We had Harriet, which I love, and I know that we're going to have a little more of her at least next episode. And Magicians never fails to make me very excited for the next episode, and they did not fail this time. So I'm going to go with 8.7 keys.
0: Only down just slightly from your last episode, do you like Teeth 8.9.
1: Yep, and it's tied with episode 3, The Losses of Magic.
0: Yeah, that kind of makes sense. Well, I was sort of riding a high there from episodes 4 through 6. So I'm going down a little. In looking backwards, I liked it a little more than two Heroes and Morons, but a little less than three The Losses of Magic. So I'm giving it an 8.3. A solid mid-season episode.
1: And let's be honest, at this point, we're just grading them off themselves.
0: Well, that's what you got to do for a season. You kind of got to judge it by itself. It's exactly what you said. If we were going based on other seasons... They would all be tens because we're loving this season, but you can't really do that. You're going to have to move your scale around a bit.
1: And let's move on to one of our favorite parts, the most valuable magician for this episode. And as we do every week on Twitter, right after every episode, we ask our Clatchers, who is your most valuable magician? In this episode, we had so many great scenes with so many characters. We had the group, most of them together. And our four options were Alice and Julia, Elliot and Margot, Katie and Penny and the Fairy Queen.
0: And it really looked like it was going to be a tie there for a little while, but...
1: Last minute.
0: (laughs) The scores shifted. So coming in fourth place, we had the Fairy Queen with 10%.
1: We had to put the Fairy Queen there because at this point, she has the upper hand when it comes to Elliot and Margot, and Fillory.
0: And has had for quite a while, whether they realized it or not. However... It is worth noting, we didn't talk about this, at the very end she said Frey decided not to come back with her. Frey was really put off by what the Fairy Queen said, finally giving her the truth that she doesn't care about her. So I wonder if she will come back over to our group side now. And maybe that will unexpectedly wind up being the downfall somehow for the
1: Fairy Queen. That would be really nice. But again, I don't trust anything she says. I have a feeling she killed her.
0: That could be true. But if she didn't, that means she's underestimating her.
1: Yes. And you know what? She might. She underestimates humans all the time. Mm. And that would be a really fun storyline. That could get interesting. She might be an MVM. (laughs) Coming in at third, Alice and Julia with 20%.
0: For all the reasons we discussed, the relationship the two of them have grown to have for each other.
1: And we feel it. We feel like this is, they're going to be, or at least Julia is going to be, the most dominant figure in this season.
0: They're going to be major players. Coming in at a close second, we have Katie and Penny for 33%.
1: Was tied up until 30 minutes ago, and the poll just closed.
0: So people are loving the two of them working out their relationship problems. Penny helping to bust Katie out of the hospital, and now they're off on a grand adventure.
1: Yeah, I mean, they were very valuable. In this episode, Katie is the only one Harriet would talk to, especially considering that they still owe her a favor.
0: And as of last episode, Katie wouldn't even talk to Penny at all.
1: (laughs) And Penny's off to do the hard part. He's the only one, he's going to be alone in the underworld.
0: As he says, he needs to be a book and get eaten by a dragon. And coming in at first with 37%, Elliot and Margot for week two of their winning streak. They won MVM last week at
1: 50%. This is Elliot and Margot's season. Elliot has won so many MVMs for us.
0: He's won the poll four times. One as a standalone and three as a pairing.
1: Although they didn't accomplish much, they we thought they were about to, but their characters were really strong in this episode. Personality-wise, strength-wise, they're being the king and queen that Fillory needs, even though Fillory doesn't know it yet.
0: And I'm feeling them coming back on the same page and getting in sync together where I was worried about them for a little bit. Not that they ever fell off. I just wondered if all of this life would get in the way Mm -hmm. for them. But because of the way they ended this episode, I couldn't personally give it to them for my MVM. I was incredibly torn. I was very close to giving it to Katie and Penny. For all those same reasons, and I'm certainly happy to see them together again, but I feel it was just the beginning of them finding their footing with their relationships and their own lives. I thought the stronger arc here was with Alice and Julia, so I'm going to give it to them.
1: You know what? I'm going to go off the boards. Normally, I'm with the Clatchers. I'm going to go with Katie and Penny this week. Nice. Even though they haven't been triumphant in anything in this episode, uh, during this episode per se, as far as quests are concerned. Mm-hmm. Penny was able to help Katie get out. Katie was able to talk to Harriet and get the plan in motion. Mm -hmm. The crew was stuck without them. That's true. And of course, uh, I mean, next week, I don't know what's going to go down, but Penny is going to be key to them getting the key. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But I have to give it to them.
0: So believe it or not, you're up to your second Penny this season. I believe it. You've maxed out on three Elliots. You have two Quentins and two pennies. You better watch your MVMs.
1: Okay, one, I don't know how many times we have to have this. That's your rule. Two, you told us that if it's a grouping, it doesn't count as a...
0: Yeah, I was kind of wondering. I I think maybe it would have to be the same pairing in order for it to count twice. We're just making this shit up as we go along.
1: I just winked at you with both eyes. (laughs) And of course, this is my favorite time when we talk about our Clatchers comments. And as always, let's start with the comments below the poll from Derek.
0: We have one of the best comments. I love how this was delivered. First, he wrote, woke up this morning to my new fiance's note on the counter. She can't wait for Saturday nights with you guys now. Please give Melanie a shout out for me. Oh, (laughs) huge shout out to both Derek and Melanie. We will save you two seats at our wedding if you happen to be in Florida on March 9th.
1: 2019. Hey, we can make it work.
0: <laughs> That's so cute.
1: And he sent a picture of his wife's
0: note, right?
1: Oh, so awesome. I love this. Clatchers, get ready. I am rating this episode at a 7.9. MVM Penny, putting his life on the line once again. Oh, Arjun.
0: <laughs> I love that. That is great.
1: And just a couple more Clatcher information. We want to thank Monet22 for your awesome review on iTunes. Thank you so much. We read your words. We read all of your words. And that means the world to us, what you wrote. Thank you for giving us the rating and review. And remember, everyone, if we reach 300 rating and reviews for The Magicians.
0: Within this season three, it's got to be before it's up. So you have from now until episode 13. If we reach that number, we will select one person out of the pool of reviewers will pick one at random and you will receive a free item of coffee Clatch crew gear so if you are a patreon member you will know that we've been doing some raffles over there but this is your first opportunity for everyone else to get in on the action
1: and speaking of patreon we just released this month's patreon movie review this weekend which was for the new maze runner
0: part three the death cure
1: we had a blast doing that podcast And we also released our Patreon bonus episode where Christina broke down the brain and the functions of it and some other things that were, I already forgot because it was really interesting, but very smart.
0: Yeah, we had a lot of fun facts. We had some interactive segments where you could play along with the experiments.
1: And of course, if you're not part of the Patreon podcast, you wouldn't understand when I said I forgot. It's because we talked about memory in there and so many other fun things. We talked about SpaceX, Disney buying Fox. We had a blast. And if you want to be a part of it, it's really easy. Just go to coffeeclatchcrew.com, click on Patreon and become a member. You'll have access to well over 24 hours of content. And besides getting more content, you'll know that you're helping Christina and myself out to making this podcast grow and hopefully get bigger where we can do more free casts every week. And don't forget every month you're in a drawing for free CKC gear.
0: We got an email from Eric who first off said he really liked the last episode review podcast on Do You Like Teeth? He actually listened to it twice and especially liked the in-depth analysis of the season three poster. So thank you so much for saying that. We do occasionally get some emails of people who don't appreciate the side commentaries we go on with the review. It's really nice to hear when you do enjoy it. On to poached eggs, he says, First off, Todd is simply annoying. I know he's been there to move the plot along a la letting Frey know where the mushroom eggs were being hidden. <laughs> However, I maintain that if he was a real-life human, he'd get beat up a lot. I totally agree, and I think it was amazing back in the day when we used to see Margot's reactions to Todd and how she treated him. I'd like a little more of that if he's going to be on screen. Then he says the confrontation between Margot, Elliot, Frey, and the Fairy Queen really underscored the growth and maturity of Elliot and Margot. Her statement to Elliot of what the crown meant to her and how she wasn't going to let the queen have it was simply brilliant. Great acting and directing. I could go on and on, but for MVM, I was leaning towards Elliot and Margot. However, in the end, I have to give it to Julia. Not Julia and Alice, just Julia. In my humble opinion, preventing a member of your crew or anyone from that matter from becoming a vampire makes one automatically MVM. Here's to hoping Elliot and Margot don't get lynched. I have a feeling they'll be okay.
1: Thank you, Eric. We appreciate that email.
0: And I definitely agree. Julia's been on point.
1: So without further ado, time to put up our spoiler warning. We're going to discuss very briefly what we know about next episode.
0: If you're afraid of those spoilers, we will see you next time when we review episode eight, six short stories about magic. For everyone still here, we got the synopsis. Julia and Fenn investigate a dangerous group of magicians as Elliot and Margot's reign is challenged. So we've spoken often about this season loving the pairings they're putting together. This time we are going to get Julia and Fenn.
1: Wow, that's new.
0: Which I would have said means you're right that Julia is coming to help out with the fairy situation, but we know Fen just got sent on vacation to Earth. Yes. So I guess not. And who is the dangerous group of magicians they're investigating?
1: And with Elliot and Margot's reign being challenged, I have a feeling it's going to be up to them to get out of this.
0: Well, this is going to be bad news if the Floridians are against them now and starting to say they don't even deserve to be kings and queens. The good news is we surmise they make it out of that attack alive, at least, to live and fight another day. We saw Elliot traveling through the mirror in the preview. And of course, we know the title is six short stories about magic. So we got little pieces of paper with names on them and we know at least the characters, that these stories will be about. Elliot, Penny, Poppy, Fen, Alice, and Harriet. That is a bizarre grouping.
1: Well, I think they're going to be separate stories, so they won't be grouped together. I think these are going to be six separate stories, and it's very
0: Yeah, but I mean, if you're going to choose, those are the six stories that we focus on. Oh, I see.
1: Well, it's intriguing that Fen's there because, one, we haven't seen too much of Fen. And I'd like to really get to know her.
0: Same with Harriet.
1: And two... Oh, my God. I love Harriet. Mm -hmm. Come on. And two, Fen being back on Earth, we wanted to see Fen in the city. Maybe we get to see her something similarly.
0: Well, it sounds like she's going on a real adventure with With Julia. Julia. This could get intense. Um, We also saw the librarian looking pissed as the mirror shatters.
1: Very intimidating. Very intimidating. Are
0: these stories from library books?
1: Ooh. I like. We know there's, a there's book stories on about everyone's, everyone's life. life. Oh, man. I'm really excited. That would be cool. I'm very excited. And for those who stayed, you'll now get to know this weekend we will be interviewing Jade Taylor.
0: So, congratulations for making it through the spoilers because <laughs> you got the inside information. This is the first time we are announcing this to any of our clatchers. Last season, we had Arjun Gupta on. So since we've had Penny, we have to have Katie, right?
1: And maybe we can pull some knowledge from her and find out a little something something about next episode. Oh,
0: are you trying to get spoilers out of her now? (laughs) I'm not going (laughs) to. You're going to put her on the alert. I'll
1: fold real quick. I won't even.
0: (laughs) Well, we'll do our best. I'm sure that's going to be an amazing podcast. We are really excited to have her on. Make sure you stay tuned.
1: And thank you so much for listening to us. We wouldn't be able to get Katie if we didn't have so many clatchers, so we really appreciate you guys going on this magical ride with us. If you haven't already, tell your friends about us. Have them get in on this action. And until next week, this round's on me. This round is on me! (laughs) Try again.